cliffcentral.com. Let's turn our attention to someone who really cares about the state of affairs of Africa, and it's something we pay as much attention as we can to on the show. African Analysis is our bi-monthly feature brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, and we look at what's going on on the continent. This morning, we speak to none other than J.J. Cornish. He is the expert when it comes to these kinds of things, and this morning we're going to talk to him about some of the things that are going on in the country and in the continent. So, J.J., nice to see you. How are you? Bonjour. I hope you're very well. I certainly am. Excellent. I'm delighted to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy to hear it. That's good. (laughs) Some people are embarrassed to admit. I haven't even said anything funny yet and you're laughing. I don't know. (laughs) Well, you're saying I certainly am. Good for you. All right. So, JJ, uh, what's happening on the continent? We just mentioned Ethiopia, and I don't know if you heard any of that. Um, and how they've decided that they need to launch their own Facebook and Twitter and WhatsApp because that'll help them contain this conflict that they're having with Tigray. What do you think of that? The last time I had a a regime that was not behaving well launch their own media, I was a much younger journalist, and it was the apartheid regime launching the citizen newspaper. (laughs) You know, when, when regimes have to launch their own media, you know that uh, th- that it's not going to be anything like a free uh, or uh, objective. Not that I believe in objectivity. I believe more in fairness. Uh, an, a media that's going to tell the story. Uh, I, I have to say, in South Africa at the moment, when I look at what has happened to newspapers, mm. I, I I'm, I'm absolutely at my wits' end because they're disappearing. So social media, with all its evils, I mean, I'm talking about fake news and that sort of thing, is uh, in the ascendancy or in, in completely in command almost. Yeah. Uh, I can see the frustration of Ethiopians uh, in wanting to uh, try and counter that, but to create their own social media. Well, does that mean Ethiopians are going to have to buy into it or are they going to be forced into it? Uh, I, I don't see that. Uh, you know the the old the old maxim with newspapers was that 55% of the surface area had to be covered by ads yeah that meant that kept it going because the media is a business somebody's got to pay for it uh and if you, if it was less than that then somebody else was picking up that tab i.e. the government or someone and you know you had they had much less credibility and I fear that's what will happen in Ethiopia. And I see that Abiy Ahmed is not behaving impeccably, uh, is behaving more like a warmonger than a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Mm. Uh, and uh, what is happening, well, I'm, I'm, the Tigrayans are no saints. They've got lots of money. They were formerly a very uh, a, almost, uh, well, I mean, an ethnically superior group, smaller than others, but that held sway. And when they a grip on power was released. They went into into uh, effectively war against the government. Mm-hmm. But right now we're having in uh, in Tigray uh, the 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 idea that uh, they've got a propaganda war and they're running it from funds that they'd salted away to do that. And we're not getting the truth there from either side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that the uh, Eritreans were involved. The United States has now slapped sanctions on the Eritrean military leader, Philos uh, Wole Johannes, for uh, human rights abuses in uh, Ethiopia, in Tigray. And they're saying that there's no, there's some chance that they might go back in. Uh, but uh, I don't see that 
creating uh, a social platform or creating media in any form by a government is helpful. You know, yeah. what you're getting what the Soviet Union did. It yeah, then. it's propaganda. And, uh, you know, who, who <clears throat> believes them? That's not, that's not social media. It's propaganda. And they'll obviously have their, well, exactly. own, their own rules that suit them. And I'm, I'm always very nervous when governments are the only people to be trusted in any situation. That's kind of why there's almost this built-in um, nervousness around even government trying to do the right thing, like let's say with COVID, because when government are the only source of truth in a, in a society, mm. you've got to be worried, mm. um, even though that in, in many cases they are trying to do the right thing. I mean, there's no reason government would want to kill its own people, for example, um, not, on, not on a massive genocidal scale, because otherwise they're going to lose out on the tax base, even if you're as cynical as that. There's still there's something to be said for the fact that we live in a time now where uh, these things are beyond government control. And I, I think it's good for Ethiopia in the long run and for Tigray, even if it leads to short-term violence, that the people there have a platform to express themselves. And it's going to be a tough job for a government but anyway. But they, they should have a platform. There yeah. are platforms. Yes. Uh, yeah. Why are they not? Are they using those? Are they using them to the uh, displeasure of the government? Mm. You know, that, that's, that's the factor. One of the ironies is that if you look at the latest newspaper figures, I read them assiduously every quarter. Mm-hmm. The citizen is now almost well, is larger than 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 the Star newspaper, and I mean that I never thought would be possible. So so you know I mean uh, uh, once set up by the apartheid regime as a propaganda tool, the citizen uh, as a well somewhat malcontent newspaper has prospered. The, the South Africans, certainly the South Africans who read it, I assume or presume that it's mainly Mlungus, like this message of violence and horror and what the well, government is doing to them. Could just and be, they're buying it. It could just the one be they're buying. It could just be that it's managed well. I mean, you know, sometimes a bad product that is managed well can sell and, and becomes more successful than a good product that is managed poorly. Yeah. That is the case, and and, no. and in the newspaper trade, sadly, very much the case. Yeah, so, so i.e., if you don't get your newspaper out to, uh, you know, the, the 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 outlying areas, it just doesn't sell. Yeah, what, uh, and, 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 if the citizen is I mean, doing that better, then then more frankly, power to them. But you know, frankly, I, th- I think the kind of people who do read the citizen are probably quite old and still rely on newspapers, where many people have moved mm. to the internet and don't get their news out of a something which they mostly use to clean the windows um so jj what do you what do you make of of the zambian elections that have just happened and we talked about um other elections that have happened on the continent successfully some of them have been less free and fair than others but we've had our own government say oh no no there's no way we can run our elections this year even though they've been scheduled for this year and we're rapidly running out of year um other countries have managed despite COVID. What do you, what do you think this is an excuse? Well, you know, Hichilema, Haikande Hichilema's victory is a a, a source of some inspiration to uh, opposition figures in, in across the continent in African Mm. politics. It's the sixth time he's contested the election, sixth time lucky. Some people say, (laughs) I don't think you can use the phrase lucky in, uh, in, in politics, (laughs) but there he was, he lost, the previous election by a hundred thousand votes, and interestingly, uh, the the uh, previous pe- president at first complained about the election in the way that you know that Donald Trump did, uh, but then uh, but then did concede. So it was a, an actual change.
change of government, which is a very positive thing in Africa. You know, one thing to have a, a succession, a president taking over from another president in the same party, mm. that is democratic, possibly. But w- real democracy is when one party replaces another, and that is what's happened in uh, Zambia. And that uh, is, of course, very good news for the continent. The proof of the pudding, of course, will be whether they can come out of their economic malaise. The first uh, pan pro pandemic uh, uh, refusal or inability to pay its debt. And uh, so it owes something like $12 billion to foreign uh, banks. And, and, you know, most of its 85% of its income goes into paying the uh, interest on its debt. Hmm. It's a very, very uh, sad state of affairs in Zambia. Unemployment up and, you know, um, echoed and mirrored around the continent, even in our country. So he he has his work cut out, Hichilema, a self-made billionaire who uh, was a cattle herder, you know, ro- ra- raised cattle as a little boy and, and, and grew up, uh, uh, got a scholarship and then went off to tr- study in Britain and got his uh, uh, advanced education. So he, he has promise and we look mm. with great, great anticipation and with great expectation to him. Well, it sounds, you know, the it sounds good. The continent is at the moment – Everybody's looking to what's happening in the only story that you ever get on television, which is Afghanistan, and seeing what on earth they can learn from them. And, uh, mm. I, you know, I, I, I have to say, uh, all over the continent, there are some stark lessons, not the least in our neighboring Mozambique. Yes. What, you know, the, the, the reality that we're learning in Afghanistan, which, of course, the withdrawal, uh, Donald Trump uh, began it, uh, certainly Joe Biden could have reversed it as he did other things Donald Trump did, but right. he continued it and he's taking huge flack for it. The, the reality is, and we're seeing it in uh, in Mali with France, that the appetite, the political appetite for military intervention has waned completely. Yeah. <clears throat> and once that happens, then you do have politicians realize that their very existence is in threat if they keep sending boys and girls, soldiers, mm-hmm. over to those countries and getting body bags back. They don't want that to happen anymore. Now, in Mozambique, we're getting the United, the uh, European Union training Mozambican soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the soldiers had better pick up on that training and take what they can because the European Union's not going to be there forever. No. And we know that South African and SADC forces cannot be there forever. They just don't have the means to do it. So the Mozambicans, if they don't take advantage of this assistance, will find that uh, the uh, integrists that have that have given them problems in uh, Cabo Delgado are simply going to come back as they did in the Taliban. I see the Somalis are absolutely delighted, saying that you know God is good that Al Shabaab has come back. Oh, but wow. uh, you know, it comes back to one thing. Uh, and we say it all the time, it's become a cliche that we cannot find military solutions to those kind of problems. We have to get political solutions. And those are hugely, hugely difficult. And uh, there seems to be some idea that the Taliban is working along with the Americans, certainly in the evacuation. But now the possibility of that evacuation extending into next month 
as well, members of the I mean, Taliban we've, saying, we've well, already, we've, already uh, we've seen people dying already, and it's been absolute chaos in, in Kabul at the airport. And, and I think if this is someone's idea of a well-managed plan, then they don't know what well-managed means. It's just like the newspaper conversation we were having earlier. Sometimes a bad product can be managed well. Sometimes a good decision can be managed very, very badly. And who knows whether this is something that Joe Biden put a lot of thought into. It certainly doesn't look like it. And and if, if this I, is, I have to it, say, it, has, it does not reflect very well on him. No. You know, uh, the, the sad thing, I mean, I really have tears in my eyes thinking about that. I, I, I was in Afghanistan. Oh, and, yes. And uh, I met the women I met in Afghanistan are, and the women I met in Algeria are two of the bravest groups of women I've ever met. They suffer uh, harassment intimidation, beatings, and even death, simply for doing what women the world over are able to do. Get up, go and do the work, uh, go and do a job, pursue a career. They are are forced not to do this. And if the Taliban returns to doing that, uh, I just don't know what's going to happen. They say that women will be allowed to uh, work and that certainly the education of women, girls, uh, from primary to uh, advanced level, uh, uh, tertiary level will will continue, <laughs> but then they add the caveat under under, under Sharia, Sharia law, law yeah. and uh, you know once you get into that you don't know. So I fear the worst. Uh, and and uh, the, the the thing is getting no. getting uh, them out to the people who helped in this so called quotes war on terror, which was a George Bush. Uh, phenomenon following on uh, 9-11. It was a reaction to 9-11. They couldn't go into Saudi Arabia, which had uh, fueled most of this, being being an ally. So they decided to go into Taliban. You know, the war well, that well, the I Taliban... Well, I mean, uh, JJ... The, year war, but most people don't even know what caused it, but it was simply that. Well, it was, it was also the fact that they were giving shelter and succor and, and protection, and openly so, to Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. Now, what I'm interested in, and we've got limited time here, but your, your real uh, expertise come to bear in, in terms of al-Shabaab and Boko Haram, which we know are closely linked to organizations like al-Qaeda and ISIS. Do you think that this sort of thing and the the lack of American uh, power and authority in in the Middle East will have spillovers into places where al-Shabaab and Boko Haram are very powerful and in control? Well, you know, in those cases, both uh, uh, they have uh, the Western powers, and in, in uh, Mali, for example, in the Sahel, the Western groups are, are joining France to some extent, but group, group, com- countries like Germany haven't. They're not wanting to see uh, um, uh, the deaths and any kind of uh, di- disarray. But uh, they, they are, they've been shoring up countries with weak and unstable governments, and you have troop fatigue, you have casualties, you have dwindling support, for, for such intervention at home, as I mentioned. And the, these Islamist groups very patiently and confidently wait, believing that they can outlast the enemy. And that is mm. what has happened in uh, Afghanistan. Mm. Now, they believe that they can do this in the Sahel. They believe they can do this in uh, Somaliland. And that is a very, very dangerous for the people who want uh, the the uh, 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 so-called democracy to prevail because when these groups come in, that democracy uh, uh, is, is is defunct. 
So certainly France has no intention of withdrawing its troops as uh, America has done. But they want Barkhani, the uh, operation in uh, Mali, to decrease in size, to downsize to about half its size. It's currently 5,000. Mm-hmm. They, they have been promised uh, or, or given support by some other Europeans uh, and not Germany, as I say. But, uh, the, you know, it's, 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 an, it's an issue that, again, we have to learn from. That, and any country that does get aid has to learn that it's a temporary thing, that they have to take it, use it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you saw that joke about, uh, you know, it took, uh, what, uh, two two trillion dollars in 20 years <laughs> to try and uh down the uh, taliban and you know replace them 20 with, with the so taliban yeah. with machine guns manned on the back uh <laughs> to take it back again and and i mean that is possible and 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 uh, i don't think the americans have an answer for that and to hear joe biden try to make cogent answers for that is quite sad but because, come on uh, his own but, but come on sad. jj that was five days ago that's what he said i mean it's ridiculous um sorry jj before we lose you i just wanted to ask you something i was talking to somebody who worked for 25 years in uh, in sort of the same space as you you've been a journalist in in africa and uh, she said something really interesting to me it's unbelievably pragmatic and you don't have to answer if you if you feel it compromises your journalistic integrity but she said the sort of uh, permissiveness of information freely through uh, cell phones, etc., was it's actually taken away a really important part of peacekeeping is that there is a brutality to getting stability in areas, which if the citizenry sees it, becomes a problem. Like at the end of a barrel, unfortunately, sometimes to keep things stable in certain countries, it isn't just let's talk about it. There has to be a brutal element, and she's got an issue having worked in in those spaces with just how that's being taken away. And unfortunately, she feels it needs to happen, and she doesn't know if we have other answers. I, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Hmm. So, so you're saying that? Uh, I'm not saying. Uh, I'm telling you what she said. No, I know. I, I, <laughs> well, you're saying that she's saying that you need brutality to tamp down a system on people that at times it comes you need the brutality to do it and that social media has removed that you know uh, i i i understand that uh, uh, i understand that sentiment you you got it in uh, things like Korea and japan that you needed authoritarian governments to bring uh, uh, the people up uh, and and so we have these two prosperous countries where mm. they used authority and Taiwan, another country, used totalitarian, uh, authoritarian governments mm-hmm. to bring them up. And that wouldn't have happened had it not been for that. And we take uh, our own country, South Africa, we take uh, Russia as examples of uh, of w- what didn't happen. But the, but the reality is uh, that we have here and in Russia uh, situations that pertain, and we cannot impose on it uh, an authoritarian uh, regime. We cannot suddenly say, okay, we we should do away with uh, social media or any kind of exposing of brutality uh, in the hope that uh, a system can be imposed. I don't believe that in modern society that is possible. I understand uh, the, the, the the feeling or, or, or that, that this might have been one of the reasons that these systems were imposed. 
But in the long term, those systems too fall. I'm afraid we've we've run out of time, guys. I'd love to continue this conversation, but I'm interested also in, in hearing what uh, JJ had to say about Afghanistan. And uh, you know, we'll we'll get round to this on the next episode of African Analysis. JJ Cornish, it's good to see you. Thank you as always, and uh, we have a good week. My great pleasure. Next time we'll be talking about Nigeria. Remember your Absolutely. your your listeners uh, request yes no so nigeria is on the on the radar for next week excellent jj cornish and this is brought to you by the johannesburg business school cliffcentral.com